The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. Hey, welcome into the Bleachers. This is the Bleacher Blums podcast. You are listening to the voice of Jeff Blum. I played 14 years in Major League Baseball and currently work as the color commentator for the Houston Astros. I'm a co-host on this podcast, and I've got a good buddy of mine, David Tuttle, who is the co-host out there in California. We come together every week trying to bring you some of our opinions, our ideas, and something we find fun in sports and try and bring it to you. We appreciate Everybody who's listening, make sure you share, rate, review, subscribe, whatever it takes to help us continue to keep this podcast going. And of course, we appreciate being on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. That being said, you can find Tuttle on Instagram and on Twitter at RealDavidTuttle and myself at Blummer27, both on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, this week is a little bit different. Normally, you hear the voice of David Tuttle, but we've had some scheduling conflicts both between the World Series and everyday jobs. But uh, we had an opportunity this week to record a session that I had while we while I was doing my radio show on the uh, Sports Talk 790 or iHeartRadio Sports Talk 790. And my good friends, Adam Wexler and Adam Clanton, they have me on once a week to take over an hour of their show. And they have been nice enough to lend us some audio to give you uh, give give to you through the Bleacher Blums podcast, if that makes any sense. But uh, our good friend, Mark Ramos, producer, and of course, our producer of all the swag with the t-shirts. Make sure you go to uh, Ram Shirts and check them out on Instagram. And of course, we have an at Bleacher Blums social media channel, both on Twitter and on Instagram. And we also have a YouTube channel. You may not see the video from this because it's going to be a lot of audio, but we are grateful for our friends at iHeartRadio, Sports Talk 790. Of course, the A-Team, Adam Clanton, Adam Wexler had me on, and I hope you enjoy this next 45 minutes to an hour is going to be myself with those two guys talking about what has happened in the World Series up to this point and what could potentially happen throughout the course of the rest of the World Series and the good times that are to come for the Houston Astros. Enjoy. Hey, yo, like a 3-2 lead. All right, Blummer's so, here. So that was from Rocky, how brain damaged? Rocky 8, oh, Rocky 13? Hey, man. 
Hey, did you hear him at the beginning of that? Easy on the CTE. Hey, yo, I've been hitting the head a lot, but that was kind of offensive. CTE and steroids are a hey, bad mix. Hey, look, it's Blummer. That's Rocky 12 voice right there. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I need to ask you the most important question that everybody has on their mind today. If since I we've answer got this, you. can I go? Yes. Thank you. I know you got to get out of here. We got, I brought my golf literally club and I'm going to you off the course. <laughs> if anybody I've got pays priorities attention. coming up, man. I think we're all wondering the same thing. Yes. Would Mauricio Dubon have made that play? I, I, I'm not. No. <laughs> I just I said see, no. I just want to see your face. No, that was uh, spectacular last night. And um, because of it, in large part because of it, and like a million other different reasons, the, uh, the Astros are one win away. And I'm like, <laughs> we were talking about this before the show. The fact that Matt Thomas is getting the calls that he is today. What is wrong with you, Houston? Like, you're one win away from the World Series. Can we please act like we've been here before? Smile, chin up, yes. and look forward to what's happening. Breathe. Yes. It, it, is, now, is that is that a result of being there so many times? And being disappointed. Is, and, that, is that what it is? And I think yesterday's is. game. It wasn't a 5-2 or 5 nothing no-hitter. You it, don't expect this to be blowouts. But they, but they right? hadn't had any of these yet. Yeah, They hadn't had a game like this yet. Yeah. It wasn't intense from first pitch to last pitch. You didn't take the lead immediately, give momentum back before the first even <laughs> inning even ended on your end, Yeesh. and then gave it even further back on the second pitch from Verlander. So yeah. that was as much of a... Let's see how many people in Houston can get on the borderline of a heart attack for the next three and a half, four hours. But once you get through that heart attack and you get out on the other side and you're taking all the medication you need to take, aren't, aren't you a little more appreciative of the fact that you did win something yeah, you, that was as close as that was? You called it alcohol that medication. That's funny. Well, when we walked hey, out I yesterday. I always said better living through chemistry. <laughs> we walked out yesterday, Clanton, and we were talking about what we thought would happen. This was after the show. Do the conversation over. I like this. Uh, He's walking voices. in front of me. Yeah. He probably gave me a, so what do you think is going to happen tonight? Yeah. And I went, oh, they'll win. And you go, you think they're going to win? I go, yeah, they'll win. Well, you think Justin's going to pitch well? And I said, I think he'll pitch all right. I think they'll have the lead. Uh, I think they'll be run scored, but I think they'll just hang on at the end. I mean, it was exactly it's, how he said it. Yeah. Well, he didn't have that much enthusiasm when he was having this conversation. Well, now with he's me. right, so you can amp it up a little bit. <laughs> right. But that's exactly how it went. I mean, that's and that's how the game went last night. It was crazy. But and, that, that's truly what I believe too. I believe that he was going to be able to get through that game, get through five innings, and qualify somehow, some way for that win. And it was just a matter of closing out that game. I didn't think it was going to be a high-scoring game either, especially the way the, Philadelphia blew everything out in that thir- game three with the seven runs, and then they got shut down. And then you don't anticipate that third game after. After after blowing up the way they did, then getting shoved, it was going to be a tight game. And the the defense, the team that I saw in Game 5 is the team I've been watching every single day this season. And that's why I came out of that tight game, like Wex was talking about, a little more hopeful than maybe a lot, a lot of other people sound like they are. Yeah, the, the tight game, these last two games, these two wins, you mentioned Verlander, at, at, four and two, at one and two-thirds, you thought... Well, someone's warming up, and then later someone's warming up, and then you're at four and two thirds again with the lead, and you're like, "Is is that his last batter? Is he? Are they going to have to take him out?" Because I think the people here and everybody outside the organization doesn't see thirty five Verlander and think anything other than, "Well, he's pitching today." 
there are people inside the organization who can't even help it. And Dusty admitted it after the game. Was was your heart into it at all with with what you knew could be qualifying for the win? He's like, no. Well, well, yes, my heart's in it, but it didn't affect the decision I made. Well, yeah. he left him out there, and he left him out there, and he got his five innings. Last two games, something extremely individual took place as they tossed a no-hitter. <laughs> and that was the thing that everyone's exalting about. But the key thing is they won the game. And the same thing happened Yes, Oh, my God, he got the rookie treatment because he got his first ever World Series win. Well, yeah, but it goes hand in hand with what else? They just took the lead in the series. Yeah. The team aspect of it all still outweighs both of those two unique events that took place in Game 4 and Game 5. Isn't the beauty of it, though, that you can go out there and manage a game like Dusty did? And I I actually appreciate the fact that even if he had no intention of, t- of taking JV out of the game, he had guys up. So he did have some of that protection right there. So that mean that tells me that he had a different game plan going into that game with Justin Verlander, but a, Justin a Verlander, one. but a better <laughs> a better one. But Justin Verlander changed his mind, Good. and that's a credit to Justin Verlander. It actually looked like he got more comfortable the deeper he got in that game. It did take a lot of pitches to get through that and get get through that game. But I love the fact that he did have a different game plan going into that, and Justin didn't force the issue by pitching any more poorly than he did for that one pitch that that Schwarber got to. But back to your point about the no-hitter, it is all just about winning, but I still can't stand, and I know this is going to tear a scab off for one guy in here. We hit greatly. on this yesterday, I imagine. It How mean. in God's name is a no-hitter not a no-hitter? Well, it doesn't count. Did you get any hits? No. Case closed. End of story. What else do you need to know? This is why Twitter is an absolute joke. <laughs> well, it's because you can say, now you get no, to pay it, for it. it's not a no-hitter. Because it wasn't a no-hitter. Well, it was a no-hitter, so why isn't it a no-hitter? Nobody had a comeback. They just kept saying no-hitter. I mean, you can't gaslight something that is factually true in front of you in a box score on TV. You hear that, Jeffy? You hear that, Jeff Passan? You I hear everybody else? It. Like, it's a no-hitter, and you cannot get... Ga- Stop gaslighting everybody about the Houston Astros. We could do a whole show on that. I know. Like, I know that there's callers that are calling in about dumb stuff today, but if you were to call in and say, hey... That broadcast crew last night got a little bit of this side of insufferable. I'm not going to be mad at you. I'm not going to argue <laughs> with you. Like, I, and I'm usually, Wex is definitely usually the guy that's like, come on, stop. Stop being so Houston. Well, stop making me believe something's happening that's not, is what I would say. Right. But it is happening. It is I, happening. I can't deny it. This yeah. is, this, well, it's this. weird how you turn on the TV to watch the World Series and you get the Phillies broadcast. <laughs> yeah. It's, they're one swing away at all times. <laughs> no, they're not. They're Bryce down Harper's five up nothing. fourth this inning, damn it. Gosh, it's just all it takes is one mistake. Why don't you shut up? How about that? And who took advantage of the mistakes? Yeah, Jeremy Pena. Yeah. Oh man, where would they be without that guy? There's one decision. We'll we'll hit on this in this opening segment. The big decision, probably the first big decision. I take it back. The second big decision for Phillies manager was allowing Syndergaard to pitch to Pena. Let's go back to his first big decision, which I think everyone is still scratching their head at. No outs. No runs, second batter of the game. Altuve got to third because Marsh couldn't see through his greasy hair and committed an error. (laughs) And you bring the infield in for Pena. Why? I have no idea. The hottest hitter in the the what's the baseball reasoning there that you could point to possibly? Desperation cut the runoff at home plate. You think it's going to be a low-scoring game. You're not going to get to Verlander, so we need to cut this runoff. Yeah. That's it. That is all. The only thing that saved him, too, on that thing was the strike him out, throw him out double play that happened with Jordan Alvarez up there. That salvaged it and at least took some of the attention off of that. But if Jordan gets a, if Jordan just strikes out 
Jeremy Payne, it doesn't, doesn't even steal a bag. Then you're taxing Syndergaard because you did bring the infield mm-hmm. in and allowed the opportunity for a ground ball that I think Stott would have made a play on. It would have been a tough play to his left, but he might have been the play, but the RBI would have scored. But you would have exchanged the out for the run. And that early in the game, even if you play halfway, you could argue that halfway might have been a little too much. But giving up that run right there and and potentially having that inning get bigger, because that's what that's the problem when you bring the infield in is you allow the opportunity for a bigger inning to happen if you don't cut that run off at home plate. Obviously, it worked in the Astros' favor and that that was a clean hit, a clean RBI. Did not work out in their favor that uh, Jordan Alvarez's idea of what the strike zone is is no longer what it was during his MVP yeah. portion of the season. And it turned into a strike him out, throw him out, double play. So in a three-pitch sequence, uh, the Astros went from man on first, nobody out in the first, or yeah, nobody out in the first with Jordan up to plate. Then the Bregman K, and then two pitches later, it's a one-one game. That's when you knew it was going to be a tight game, and not oh, they'll cruise to this victory. It was it was amazing how much yet to me again. Yesterday's game was just so much different than each of the other games. While we were intensely wondering how this happened in game one with the five nothing lead, and would you be able to hang on in game two? And obviously the the game three, there was little to wonder what was going to happen because it was a blowout. And the same thing, you were only watching for something outside of the win. You were watching for the no hitter. Uh, they weren't threatening threatening to come back. They weren't threatening to win the game. They were threatening to maybe get a ball uh, into the outfield for a hit. And they nearly did late in the game on the laser that carried out to, to Kyle Tucker for one of the more difficult plays. But when we get to the real difficult plays, we've got plays from last night. There were about three or four defensive oh, plays we want to get into from last night's game. Obviously need to set up what what is not yet. I don't think it's being talked about a lot because it's not as as happy a thought. They have it set up exactly the way you would probably want it with Framber going in game six to close out this yep. series. Don't However, you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> we'll talk about uh, the other possibilities as we have an hour with Jeff Blum here in studio on a Friday with the Astros leading the World Series three games to two and ready to play baseball. Sounds so good. On Saturday night. So before Wex gets to his far more important and intellectual questions, Blummer. Did you say farm report? Yeah. Well, the, uh, what we would do. The, the crop report will be out soon, and you know, the orange juice concentrate report will follow. Precipitation Those of y'all that are interested. Why do I feel like Walter Cronkite should narrate this? That's so good. Let's look at the almanac. All right. Um, I need you to compare gut punches. Okay? Let me explain this. Mm-hmm. You come out in your home World Series debut and you go 7 nothing against this Astros team. You yep. rough up Lance McCullers, everything goes your way, nobody crosses the plate in an Astros uniform, and everything is just fantastic. You've won two out of three to start the series. Oh, and you set off, like, seismic stuff. Yeah, that was yeah. a big day. Oh, man. Woo! And, the man, the, those, those crowds were so intimidating. The Astros come out and no-hit you the next night. <laughs> That's a gut punch, right? Right? Yeah, they, they basically said, that's cute. Hold my beer. Check this yes. out. Then then they win a completely different way last night. Oh, you want to do cardiac arrest? We're going to beat you at that kind of game, too. That's a gut punch. So my question is, what one was more of a gut punch? I guess it's got to be the one that puts you down 3-2. Yeah. But, man. Well, because, like you said, you exchange punches. We Okay, we gave you the left uppercut that you weren't anticipating staggered you a little bit and all of a sudden you bounced back 
and gave us a one-two combo that we were we weren't ready for. Pistol Nobody was them. ready for. Pistol whipped them. Yeah, exactly. There so was a you, weapon involved. So you went down to a knee, popped back up just to get, you know, get chunked again on your jaw. And now you're going, now you're, like you said, down three, two. I think it's just bigger in that, that close game in game five because you went out and reinforced what you did the day before. We have the ability to shut your offense down. Yes, you are very good. But at the same time, if we, if we approach our game plan and put our pitching up the way we want, we can shut you down. We came out with a guy that you roughed up, and you should have some confidence against or maybe a game plan because you watched Javier pitch fastballs up. We saw Schwaber take a fastball up out of the ballpark. Yet JV made the adjustment, continued to shove, went five innings, and all of a sudden you're like, okay, these guys are for real. They've got pitching. Now now we're de- we're in desperation mode, yeah. and we go down 3-2. That's why I think game five was probably a little bit bigger of a, of a throw of a punch than anything because now you're bloodied you're looking out of one eye and you're staggering into the corner about to get obliterated and how are you going to fight back out of that that's 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 where you're at right now it's unbelievable what's taking place from a drama standpoint that's why these it's again it's still to me it's definitely sets it apart from football and it's it's really not the same on the nba level since we've seen so many nba series where oh here we are in game seven and there haven't been any close games or any drama and it just gets there sometimes there are sometimes there's not it seems virtually impossible for that to happen in baseball we've seen one-sided series that are ripe with drama you were in one uh it's it's (laughs) unbelievable yes Uh, i mean it was and that's (laughs) Kind of what the Astros, what what the White Sox did in that one series to Houston is what the Astros did to Seattle and then did it again to New York. They were a little bit more dominant, I think, in the New York series. But thinking about the way this feels good on this side, it's it just shows you the game is what keeps it close. It's not necessarily the game of baseball. It's just the way it is. So here you are ready to close out. A couple last things from from last night's game. We talked about Thompson's first decision. What about his second decision to leave Syndergaard out there, top of the fourth, nobody on, Alvarez due up second. This is the second time through the order. This is the fourth inning. Syndergaard faces Pena. Wasn't the idea, I don't know if you guys talked about it, but I know in some of the circles I was with and maybe some of the text chains that we were all on, I think the idea was with Syndergaard was to go out there and have him go one time through the order. That was it. You've got Jose Altuve, who's not really out. Jose Altuve right now. Granted, he's gotten a couple of hits. He's looked okay, but he's not driving the baseball. Some of those hits are falling in the right spot. But at the same time, my idea for Rob Thompson with Noah Syndergaard, knowing that you've got a bunch of of horses, or your so-called horses, and Eflin, Alvarado, Dominguez, and some of these other guys that are pitching extremely well out of the bullpen, the idea was, for me, for Rob Thompson, was to get Syndergaard one time through the order. You did that. As soon as you get through Altuve and you say, oh, I'm going to leave him out there for the for the guy who might win World Series MVP, one of the more dominant left-handed hitters when he's right. All, all it takes is one mistake for uh, Jordan Alvarez to get right. And then you've got Bregman Tucker. I don't think it was right to leave him in right there in that situation. I think if you had an idea of going out there and keeping that game where it was, it was to get Syndergaard out of there and bring your guys in that you felt could get Pena, Alvarez, and Bregman out to get you out of that inning. Totally feel the same way. It felt like he was using him for just like one more batter. Like that individual matchup was something he liked, and then Brogdon was going to come in to face Alvarez, and that's just not the way it worked out. Flip it to the other side. You get your five from Verlander. You get your hug in with Verlander. and then some love. Then you go to to Neris. And I I think there was some question 
uh, why just the two-thirds? Why Abreu to close out that inning? I think part of the answer is Abreu is going to face those two, three, four in the next <laughs> inning no matter what. Why do you think he went to him to finish the inning before going to him when he obviously was going to him in the sixth or seventh inning regardless because that's the pocket he wanted to face? Why do you think he pulled Naris there immediately after he throws his last strikeout pitch? Even though it was a strikeout, I think he may have seen something in Naris where he didn't like the matchup that was coming up. And obviously, Abreu uh, finishing off the inning was probably the idea because of who he was going to face and because of what he did previously. I think he went an inning and a third the, either the night before, I believe it was, in uh, in game four to finish off that thing. So I think the idea was, I'm, I'm how can I use Abreu effectively without blowing him out basically just you know taxing that arm so the idea was to come in there and face some higher leverage guys and Brian Abreu to his credit has pitched himself into the situation where he is he is your go-to guy he he can come in it's and incredible. obliterate right-handed left-handed I just love the fact that he I mean, he's fearless on with everything he's got the supreme confidence he has in his stuff right now is so much fun to watch but being able to locate upper 90s and then throw the turbo slider out of the same arm slot and delivery uh, he's been working his ass off to make that happen, yes. and it's it's a lot of fun to That's watch. What he did against Real Muto, what you he, just described, just oh, in reverse, first pitch slider, back to back, ninety nine miles an hour up in the zone, and then I, one wow. two three strikeout. I specifically remember you and I texting earlier this season, I think, yeah. and it was definitely last year because he wasn't. He just he you're talking 20, about the work twenty and twenty one, yes. And, he was working. And and yeah. I remember like kind of being frustrated with him because, you know, I never do that. I never text yeah, you out of frustration. Yeah. <laughs> and you were like, no, no, no. I like because sometimes you'll agree with me. It depends on who we're talking about in the situation and the position versus pitch or whatever. But you're like, no, no, I like his stuff. I yeah. remember, specifically remember you saying that. And I'm pretty sure that was last season. So I'm giving you credit yeah. here because no, I appreciate that. He is a monster. Well, I want to go back to 2000. I believe it was 2019 when he kind of showed up on the scene and you see this frame. I mean, he's. He's a massive human He's being. He's all of six foot four, six yeah. foot five. And it's, it's, you know, you look at, you look at hitters and pitchers a little bit differently just in how they carry their builds. Roger Clemens, I'll just give you an example. I mean, you've got a 70 inch TV screen. He'll block it because his shoulders are so wide. That's how Brian Abreu looks to me is that he's got that width to Builds him. out of granite. And then he can come downhill at you. And I saw the, you can also see the way the ball jumps out of his hand. In 2019, he came in and showed flashes of, oh my gosh, that ball's just flying out of his hand. And he is almost, he almost has too much movement or too, too much spin on that to, to control it just yet. He knows it's in there. How does he harness it? He's harnessed it now and he's perfected it and made it better. And I, I, I would imagine it's, you know, it's, it's Bill Murphy out in the bullpen. It's Josh Miller. It's some of these guys that have gotten to him and been able to, to instill the confidence that you have the stuff. But how do we make it better? Mm-hmm. And I think that's always the idea. And he has figured it out and cracked the code and just is unleashing on the on the postseason. Isn't that what tomorrow's starter? That's his story of his career. Yeah, a lot I mean, of these guys. I mean, that's it's just the, all the credit to do to the to the pitching, the coaching staff uh, for the Astros. All right, we've got two more segments to go with Blummer. There's still a lot to get to. Uh, the Astros can win the World Series tomorrow night. I don't know if we've mentioned that enough, so we should probably just throw that out there again. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. 
Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts that help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hey, Wex. Guess what? I, I mean, I was thinking about this earlier today. Yeah. Even though it's... Then what happened? It's annoying... And it gets the same uh, reaction out of me. It's so good. It does seem like it should be some sort of gimmick, gimmick, bit sponsored, sponsored. Yes, the bu- sponsored I've got, dude. Do you realize right now? But I know, I know. Blum knows this. I am being paid to professionally bleep talk the it's Phillies. Great. Oh, it's so oh. good. So I'm on the golf course, you know, trying to work on my game, and you're bothering the hell out of me. Yeah, and. My buddy Scott House goes, I love him. Can you believe Glenn's getting paid to, to, <laughs> to trash other teams? I'm like, I'm like, you Academy Sports and Outdoors. Oh, they are the greatest. And God bless them for doing that too. They, putting their name all over dude, it. They love it. They're yeah. like, oh man, we watch those every morning. Yeah. I'm like, where were you the last two rounds? But I'm fine with it. To the, it took you a while to perfect this. Yeah, you know, it's it's, a war, it, it was a work in progress. You know what I started doing that is when I got fired. I mean, had that when you have time off to vacation. think about things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hat tip to Academy. They opened yes. a, a brand new location, the Meyerland store. Right around the corner. Grand opening is today. I was over there earlier today. That? Where we're sitting. Yep. Yeah. It's nice. Is it a big one or is it like a C store? You ever heard how they call them like, well, now this bed, bath and beyond is a C store. So we don't have as many pillows in this one. Like, is it a I, big one? I'm not familiar with the Academy like boutique I stores. Wow. I don't think there are any. So I would say it's more like you a didn't normal one. That, did you? No, dude. You know I have voices. I know. I, I know. You didn't know I yes, had that one? I know. I did. I, yeah, I was caught off guard. Would this one make you feel better? Is yes. that a little bit more yes. masculine? Yes. Okay. I'll do that. Um, yeah, there is a lot of stuff you can get your hands on. And here's one thing. I know they're going to wear the blue jerseys because Fromber's pitching, right? They're orange. Why are they tweeting about all the rainbow stuff? Because if the Astros walk out in their rainbows tomorrow night, they're winning 50 to nothing. Why would you wear the rainbow? Because the I'm Phillies just for, they, they Fromber, lost. Remember, they, they wore their throwbacks okay, and they true. lost. Now you're peeling. So this pissed me off last night. Yes, I'm watching. We, I, I, we, I, I, we're all very similar in age. You're, you're a Clanton. You're a kid. Kid, what else? I'm the 41. Same we, we grew yes. up with the tequila sunrises. Yes. We grew up with the powder blue Atlanta Braves. The the Philadelphia Phillies. How bad did Nike Jack? Those uniforms up, oh, letting yeah. them go out in that. Yeah, it drove me nuts. My wife did had no clue why I was getting so fired up. I kept going, man. I was like, so you how? I, but I, you played against. I didn't that. know. I didn't know how to paraphrase it, other than the fact that the logo on the helmet was perfect, right? And the biggest logo on their chest was not, missing not a so vital part yeah, of what that awful. what that logo is. Yeah. How do you let that on the field? Yeah. And I mean, they, about, is it just a lack of respect to the jersey? I mean, you didn't do it justice. And all I Sorry. heard about was there No, I I like this. 
I could not stand that. How does anybody in that clubhouse stand up and go, I'm, I'm refusing to wear the powder blue because the P doesn't have the seams in the baseball that matches the damn logo on my helmet. You, you'd I, think you, Larry Boa would have come down out of the seats and told these guys, <laughs> you can't wear these. Larry Boa lived in that <laughs> yep. thing. No, yep. I like the fact that there's someone else in the room that's getting unhinged about something that's not that important. It's so meaningless, but I couldn't stand yeah. watching it. If you're going to take the time and put together these retro uniforms, offer them to fans. Your force last us, game of the season at force home. Us to buy $300 jerseys right. and you're going out there looking for some good mojo because you just got shoved on the night before yeah. and you can't even wear the appropriate jersey? Who Don't even are you? It. Yeah, I'll oh, see. Now I really want them to wear the rainbows tomorrow night. Because they're spot on. They're perfect. Yes. Fromber will choose to wear the blues. And I want Fromber to be comfortable because I want Fromber, I want the franchise to go out there and sh- and do his thing. He, he likes the blues because they're yes. dark. You yeah. know, they're they're dark. Yeah, they're darker colors, so you can't see stuff when it's darker uh-huh. colors. They're they're dark. It's very important. Yeah. Maybe he'll for when uh, he pitches. I wonder how his you need like the X Files. Like when you start going into those things, you like that X File theme in the background. The you conspiracy know? music. Yeah, they got a I lot of things. That's those are the other things that have all happened in this series, away from it all, which will happen obviously every year. Even if the Astros win tomorrow or win on Sunday, claim a second World Series, win a World Series without the overhang of all the other stuff with it, the next time they're in the World Series, and guess what? There's going to be a next time. <laughs> yes. These same things will get brought up again for a different oh, reason man. in a different city with different announcers, with all that stuff. So we'll just stick to the baseball for the time being yeah. for for what is out there. And there was no uh, real definitive word last night from Dusty or this afternoon when he was asked about Yuli Gurriel's status. Uh, Yuli has been on Twitter mm. indicating things will be okay. I like that. But it's it's probably more like treatment today, treatment tomorrow, get a, get a feel for what he can do. Total guess on my part. I imagine it's the same for you, Jeff. It appears that it's more, and they've called it a right knee issue, and you can see the way he went down to the ground to try to uh, uh, oh, stop. Man. He slid on the grass twice. Yeah. Uh, trying to avoid the tag and extend the rundown. The second time, he went down awkwardly. He did get hit in the back of the neck and the head, but uh, according to Dusty, and it appears it's more about the knee and the fact that he did take the field for the following inning, but then did not hit when his spot came up the following half inning after that. I'm guessing this is more of a how comfortable is he moving around, uh, running to first, putting his foot in the bag, making a turn, circling the bases. And your right knee is your, your load leg when you're hitting too. It's, you get on it and start pushing towards the ball. So yeah, the fact that he came out in a three to two game where his defense is by no offense, Trey Mancini. I know we got to throw that disclaimer out there, but he is head and shoulders above anybody in this league as far as the first base is concerned with picking. There's a certain comfortability that you go from Altuve to Pena to Bregman and say, I want Yuli over there because I know I can lawn dart one and he's going to pick me up and make it look good. So the fact he came out in that three to two game was concerning to me, but now, and Yuli's a great follow on social media, period. His Instagrams are great. Uh, and yeah, Mal- Maldi was too until he just vanished. I don't know. What happened there? I don't know. Yeah, me neither. Because Maldi was good. Once Correa went to Minnesota, it's like it didn't exist anymore. Oof. But anyway, but you, but Yuli being active and saying that I'm going to be all right, I think this day off is huge for him. Having it be a night game, too. So, I mean, it gives you basically almost two days to be ready for that game. So, I'm sure he'll make sure it's right. And uh, I mentioned chemistry earlier. You know, it's not only in the clubhouse. It's in the training room. So, you know, there's ways to find your way through some of these situations. I'm not sure if they're able to do that yep. anymore. But I know that... Uh, particular players may have done that. It does bring us to Mancini. Uh, You've been over at first base, obviously. He had not been over at first base in a while, and (laughs) he even acknowledged, 
why would I ever play first base? Yuli's not going to come out of a game. I'm no. going to play outfield if that opportunity comes up. So he said that's where his focus has been on during workouts, in between games, off to whatever. Just taking more fly balls and being more comfortable should that opportunity present. The opportunity turned out to present at first base and they were in no doubles mode. And he really took that to heart. And it's a good thing that he did. What about that play? That That is exactly what I saw because they had that high third base camera kind of shooting down the right field line or the first baseline, and he's holding on the base runner. And you're right in the sense that, you know, Joe Espada probably was in, in, just screaming at him saying, do not get off the bag. Hold the runner and then square up the home plate. You're going to get some big left-handed hitters up there, so guard that line. Don't allow that ball to get down the line to let that runner from first score. So he did exactly what he was told. I actually think it's pretty fortunate that that ball was hit on a line as opposed to taking a hop, and he was able to pick it. And I love the fact that he just basically smothered, tackled, covered that fumble, and then just stepped on the bag the way he did because it made that play incredibly simple once it was in his glove. So that being said, how great that play was, how poor was the play by Reese Hoskins? That one, that's what, on that Phillies broadcast, they didn't talk about it at all. That was the play of the game. The Phillies broadcast. It was a grounder down to first. You field it, throw home. Altuve almost assuredly is coming. There'll be a play at the plate. And it would Run have been down in, or tag out. What, either way, it would have been in plenty of time unless play. he made a bad throw home. The whole the whole trajectory of that play it. was going to home plate. And he boxed it. And that run scores. That's real sad. 101 <laughs> off the bat from Schwarber down to first base oh on that uh, ground out. Or 91. 98.7, I should say, down to first. We have another segment. So that gives us a little bit of time to talk about uh, the guy who scaled the wall in the I was outfield. Say, we haven't even gotten a chance. We will get to that. It's real. It it was pretty spectacular, and it's also pretty spectacular to see what his reaction was to it, Tucker's reaction to it, Presley's <laughs> reaction to it, and then the fact that you know a couple minutes later. The game's over, and he's in there in Philadelphia having played his first three games yeah. back in Philly. A guy who does not know that ballpark, does not know that wall. Westchester's own. It mm-hmm. was, there's a lot to it. So we've got a few minutes to get into that, and obviously spend a little bit of that time also looking at Framber Valdez versus Zach Wheeler Saturday night at Minute Maid Park. Back at it here on a Friday edition of the A-Team. Always one of our favorite hours of the week. It's definitely in the top 15. Aww. Jeff Blum here with us in studio. <laughs> what a Live jerk. Yeah, or 13. That's, that's why on the t-shirt you're called an ass. Yeah. yeah. He's trying, Even to, on he's the trying new one. to work that out of the system. I like it. It's Did a you good see effort. the new one with Joe George? Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. So Jeff is here with that's us. Right. He wants to move on. Yeah, it's good stuff. That's great. Let's move on. Uh, hey, Joe, hey, we can even see hey, him today. Joe, what's up, what's man? Up? No, Blum brought me the T-shirt, Clinton. Yes. Oh yeah, I forgot about Ask that. Ask the ballpark. Hey, last shut week. up. There's been <laughs> like a week ago. There's been like five World Series games it since was then. Seven days ago. Joe, Joe. All, all three of you can go to hell. That's that's how I feel about that. Slinging blades over there. I like yeah. it. We'll it's get to the Saturday night matchup today. after we hit on Two more the hours. One final thing. From the game last night, you had three baseballs hit in the game that were oh near gosh. home runs. Altuve hit one 399 to open up the Man. game that just needed probably two more feet. It's over the fence. Alex Bregman did the very same thing down the line. His ball went about 346 and hit right off the chain link fence that's protecting the flowers above the fence. It was accurately called. That's not a but home not run. A home but run. Brandon Marsh's is. Yes. If you're keeping that's track what I was of home. trying to figure out. Yeah. What the hell was I don't that? Know. There's no yellow line there because Philly sucks. Okay. And then you had the the ball hit off Presley by Real Muto, Ooh. who finally did not strike out. 
And I think everybody that's spoken about it, Presley, Chaz, for sure, they both said, well, I, I, I shouldn't say that about Presley. I believe he also said. Chaz said he thought it was gone. And then he just tracked it and caught it. Take us through your vision, your mind, as that play unfolds. Yeah, it was like, the, the obviously you can't say it, but it was like an O right. moment mm-hmm. where you kind of said, oh, dear God, mm-hmm. here we are. We're going to go for 15 innings again after this. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I was watching Chaz and that high home shot kind of showed him. It, he wasn't exactly, like you said, he, he wasn't exactly sprinting towards it at an electric effort saying, oh, my gosh, I've got to get here to make that play. He was kind of, he was tracking it, but he was kind of drifting towards it. But I actually think that may have helped him a little bit because it timed that jump so much better for him to be able to take those two or three steps on the track and then launch himself up there, make that catch. And he actually had some pretty good hang time to catch that ball and then Spider-Man the chain link fence out there. But I, I he did a great job of tracking it and uh, – Damn, if we didn't need that play. Oh, it's just, it's That's what become... I can't get over is that you have these moments. Everybody talks about, you go back in the past, you're like Kirk Gibson's home run. You're talking about big moments where somebody gets a big hit and, and thrusts their team or changes the momentum. You can do it's it with a glove. It's the catch. Trey Mancini had that title until, Ch- until Chaz went up on there and made that play. All of how many outs after? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like right next to each other. Seriously, it ended the previous inning and then the you got inning. Chaz yeah. with, with one Second out going out of the up eight. there. Yep. Yeah. Had to have launching it. him up himself up there, but you was there a collective when he laid on the ground and, and kind of held the ball up. I mean, you were playing the Rocky music on all your your videos and stuff. I mean, that was the Rocky moment. Dude, look at Ryan Presley's face. He yeah. goes, "I think he might be dead, but thank God he died for yeah, my I ball." I don't care. The ball is it in was his glove. amazing. It like was his, amazing. That's the most expression you're ever going to see out of Ryan Presley. Anyways, absolutely. And after the game, he continued. And it. Castellanos had the same reaction as Ryan Presley. I mean, he was in awe of the whole situation. Or Real, Real Muto. Real Muto was like, "Man, I just got to tip my cap." Yeah, you, you just say, "Oh my God, that just happened." But yeah, that's awesome. that, but as much as we want to glorify the home runs and the big hits and the RBIs and all this stuff, I'll be damned if Chaz didn't go out there and just make the play of the century in the World Series. I he mean, left his name on the ground, literally. How incredible. So this picture's floating around, and I'm That's like, real. this is fake, until yeah. the Astros' Twitter account at 3 o'clock tweeted it. I'm like, well, then it has to be real. Because they there's no way they're going to tweet that picture out if they don't verify Even it. Even if it's just neat? Well, no, because... Or fabricated? It, they've got the, the credit. Does it have the blue check mark? Yeah, I don't, the I'm not being punked it's here. Ver- is, is it verified? <laughs> it is cool. Flip Layman at Traces of Texas is the credit. Yeah, and that's where the picture came from. Right, from where we found out last night. His number is in the dirt. It's just everything about that play is in well, the Hall of Fame. Everything about it. You make the catch. You go up there. The hang time. You hang onto the ball, and then he, well, no snow angel or dirt angel came up. That's how he <laughs> laid down. That's actually in the dirt. really good. That was a Chaz angel. Yep, that yeah. was a Chaz angel. That just mean to me though. I, this is why I didn't believe it at first. I'm like, he didn't get up that carefully. No player gets up carefully enough to leave. Looks like that it's imprint. on an episode of CSI Philadelphia. But the arms outstretched. Well, I mean, Frank. in like that, like hands above the, you know, that champion type pose that he had. I mean, yeah. that is remarkable. All of that happens preceding Bryce Harper coming to the plate. Yeah. As we head into Game Six, how do you think the Astros have handled Harper through the first five? They've done great. They've done great. I know I, I hate walks, 
But I do think that there are situations where walking Bryce Harper was the right thing to do. And, and as soon as Presley hit him in the foot in that, in that last, I was like, man, we're, 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 I totally was like, good, draw yeah. down to first. You can't hurt us there. I was say, yeah, yeah, bring up that guy, Nick Castellanos, who's seen so many pitches and hasn't done anything. <laughs> it's great. And I mean, a drive in the left center. And as I apologize for it, yeah, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, man, that guy. <laughs> but dude, I, I was perfectly happy. I was like, I'm, I actually was. As Presley hits him with that slider, I, I, I secretly wanted to like go into the, if I ever get around Brian Presley again, and if, if we can remember this conversation, I want to go, hey, man, did you hit him on purpose? Because it felt like he threw it just, I'm going to spike this slider. If he swings and misses, great. If it hits him, who cares? Well, I'm going to move on. I think his mind was already on Castellanos. It's, it's, probably, yeah. it's probably a lot about, I'm throwing this pitch there. If it hits him, fine. I'm exactly. not trying to hit him, but I am trying yeah. to throw it to that spot. He is currently standing there, and if he hits him, great. If it, it doesn't, maybe he even swings at it, but it's yeah. certainly not a pitch he can do anything with. But it, it is it is painfully obvious that they are going after Nick Castellanos or whoever's hitting behind Bryce Harper. They are not going to allow him to be a difference maker I know he gave, you know, uh, Verlander gave that hit up to him earlier. Nobody on base. Two run lead. You know, you can go out there and try and do something like that. Bregman's not standing there. Yeah, I know. You know, like it, Bregman's not behind him in the lineup. Exactly. Like for the Astros with yeah. So you're going to, and, and if he does get a hit, he's going to get a hit on your pitch. He's not going to get a hit on the pitch that he's looking for that he can drive. He's going to make a pitch down the zone and force him to get that base hit or make a miraculous swing to get that hit. Or you're going to pitch around him and get to that next guy. There's no way you let him have an impact by scoring a tying run or go-ahead run. Saying, thinking about what Adam just said, and Rob Thompson has not changed their lineup basically this entire postseason, certainly not the top four. Yeah. Do you think heading into the game against Valdez, he considers protecting Harper, just flipping JT to fourth and bumping Bryce to third? Well, that would be a better at bat. I know that, for I don't know what was going on, but for whatever reason, Nick Castellanos swings at everything. And you can see it. I know he had these extended at bats, but he was swinging at pitches three feet off the plate last night. And I don't understand how that's a good attribute to have. He could have been on base four or five times last night if he'd have just taken a couple of pitches. But that being said, and to Wax and Clanton's point, is the fact that if you do put somebody that's a little more of a threat to put the ball in play or put together a better at bat and take advantage of a mistake, that might be the guy that you do put behind him. But do you risk not having Real Muto get four, possibly five at bats ahead well, of Harper because you want somebody on base. After he homered early this series, he's he's been a zero offensively with a mm. billion strikeouts. Last thought, it's the only thing that's important. What are your thoughts about what will happen on Saturday? This sets up beautifully because Fromber in that environment and after what Fromber's done to this team already, after what Fromber's done this entire season, as much as we willed, Justin Verlander to get that one World Series win in a key moment to put the Astros ahead. I am willing, uh, Framber Valdez, he's not going to win the Cy Young. He's going to get votes, but I want him to win this World Series game so that he can put his cap on a phenomenal year for the Houston Astros to go out there. So I expect him to be juiced, be ready for him early on to maybe be a little erratic with the fastball because he's going to be so jacked up. But once he dials it down, finds a location of that, that sinking fastball, he may give up 15 ground balls that end up being outs, which I would absolutely love because that extends the outing. He's going to get the swing and miss with the curveball. It's going to be a quality start for Framber Valdez. There's going to be some big hits. Party in the streets. What if uh, you were done? Can I give you one awesome stat about Framber? Yeah. Uh, his ERA is twice as high as Christian Javier's. Which is? 1.42. <laughs> love that part. Wow. That's a good setup right there. I love it. What if Jordan bookends? Yeah. I mean, it, it, well, open and close the postseason with a biggie. 
I mean, could you imagine? That's a definite possibility, and there's not going to be a Richter scale that can measure that. (laughs) The folklore. Talk about never having to buy a drink or a meal or a house or a car. And then he'll get to pick up one of his teammates who will win World Series MVP. Yes. Jeez. You think? Yeah. If he hits a monster homer or homers in this game and they win, one of his teammates will win MVP. Yeah. Who is it? It's probably Pena. I, 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 I'm definitely leaning that way too. If Fromber goes out and say throws six or seven shutty, that's two elite World Series stars. Yeah, it's hard dude, not to I give mean, it to him when you win a six real. game series. That, I mean that, but it's going to have to be something like that to shift my focus away. Obviously, it will all unfold. We look forward to it. Love having you here with us in studio, and we appreciate yep. that. Hope you had a good time listening to that. I know things can get a little raucous on that radio show, but those guys are great sports. They know a lot about uh, the game of baseball. They also know a lot about uh, Houstonian uh, fandom, and now is a great time to be a Houston Astros fan. We are in the thick of the golden era of the Houston Astros, and those guys allow me to come on their show and talk about it, both Adam Clanton and Adam Wexler. Thank you to those guys. I hope you understood what I was saying about those throwback uniforms. If you're going to do it, Go all the way. Don't go halfway. I know it's a little nitpicky, but it was driving me nuts. But I tell you what, at the end of every Bleacher Blums podcast, we like to reach out to the military, tell them thank you. We appreciate you, the sacrifices you're making for our freedom right here home and abroad. Obviously, all the first responders, though, that go, those that go into harm's way and protect us and uh, keep us safe and uh, get us out of harm's way. And of course, all of those working on the front lines, uh, making sure that we are healthy and trying to stay that way for as long as we possibly can. The essential workers and, of course, all of our teachers doing a great job throughout the course of the year working through these tough times. We all greatly appreciate you here on the Bleacher Blums podcast. I hope that you enjoyed that. We will be back to you with our regular programming. I feel like a TV host right there, but I hope you have fun. Enjoy. And here's to hopefully another Astros World Series championship. Make sure you get after it and believe it. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. The 0-1. And that's a ground ball. Base hit into center field. Altuve can walk home, and the Astros have a 1-0 lead. Swing and a drive down the left field line. Schwarber back. He's on the warning track. And that is out of here. Jeremy Pena. Over and out. 2-2 to Hoskins. Strike three call on the outside corner. Burned him with a slider. And that is three straight strikeouts for Justin Verlander. One, two. Hunter goes. Pitch is hit hard. Just fair. Stared by Mancini. And he steps on the bag. Inning over. 1-1. One, one. That's hit in the air pretty deep to right center. It sends back McCormick onto the warning track. Leaps at the wall, and he makes the catch. Oh, what a catch by McCormick. Crashing into the 13-foot-high wall and deep right center field. The 3-2 to Castellanos. Ground ball left side to his right. Pena, shortstop has it, straights up, throws the first in time, and that is the ball game. The Houston Astros defeat the Philadelphia Phillies. Three to two, and they're up three games to two in the World Series.